Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. This is a special episode to celebrate Gentleman's Journal turning 10 years old at the end of last year. And in the hot seat, it's Harry Jarman, founder of Gentleman's Journal and my boss, of course, who takes us on the meandering roller coaster journey the publication has been on from a small bedroom startup that everyone said would fail to an established and hugely successful media brand, if we do say so ourselves. Today, Harry and I speak about how the worlds of magazines, luxury and even manhood have changed dramatically over the past decade, how Harry's hairline won him early advertisers, about the moment in the pandemic that he thought the party might well be over and whether, given the chance, he'd do it all again. Enjoy! But before we begin, I'd love to tell you very briefly about the Gentleman's Journal shop, our new men's style destination full of the independent brands that we love. You can find it at shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. That's shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. Head over there for special, unique releases from a fine curation of brands and plenty of picks and pointers from people in the industry who really ought to know. I'm sure you'll find something you love. Harry Jarman. Joe Bournemouth. We're here in our new offices at Gentleman's Journal just after the 10th anniversary of this publication, this magazine, this media empire. I wonder, before we speak about this wonderful space, what was your first ever office like? Not like this. Very unglossy. And no, it was on the top floor of a townhouse. I'm quite fond of it, but it was on the top floor of a townhouse. I think it was something very, very cheap. We put four desks together, which we managed to probably sit around six people around. And it had a whiteboard. Okay. <laughs> no, two whiteboards. It had one. No, this for, is proper stuff. Then. Yeah, one for editorial ideas and then one for the brands we were targeting for advertising. Right. And a lovely lino wooden floor. Okay. It's now been demolished, actually. It's, oh. now, it's now turned into a luxury high-rise. Okay. I thought there house. might be a blue plaque there. No. This is where Harry Jarman... I think it did. No, it had a blue plaque for someone, not me. But okay. like, uh, it definitely had you blue plaque. You near it. Um, but yeah, no, it's not down and, and it's, it's, it's what, what, a luxury. Luxury penthouse is owned by, the, oh. owned by well, people. Well, there you go. That's modern London. Yeah. We'll get to that. What's your, um, what was written on that whiteboard? I'm interested to know. When you, had your, when you were starting out and you got your target list of advertisers and partners who are you going after probably the same people now like luxury brands the editorial ideas probably would have been a bit more primitive shall i say okay yeah well, they probably would have been like 10 things that make a gentleman ironically one of our biggest hitting articles <laughs> it's on the still, website it's still but that is probably stuff like that before you came along and started making it very intellectual okay over intellectualizing probably so you actually achieved some of those advertisers that you wrote down yes a few. that's quite nice still there today why can't you tell us who they are no you i mean sure? like one was probably like first advertiser was brightening watches still loyal that to the their... first ever advertiser but yeah i think had. there was yeah them and one of them crockett and jones shoemaker oh, lovely stuff. still loyal today um, a friend of mine, did you know, is getting married in the black suede Crockett and Jones Gentleman's Journal that we've shoes. We've done a collaboration. Yeah, with, we good have. segue there. It's, we have yeah. done a collaboration with them. Um, it's a great shoe. It's I've a great actually, shoe. I've got. I'm not wearing them today, but I, I do wear but, them all the time. Yeah, very um, versatile. Import, well, exactly. Wedding, yeah. and it's a wedding in Morocco. I'll see how it holds up in the. Yeah, that's sand. interesting for a black suede in Morocco. Yeah, 
That yeah. is interesting. I would have gone for a lighter colour myself, but don't tell him that. Okay. And I hope he enjoys them. Well, we, there's no refunds. So how did it all begin then? We've done this episode before five years ago. Now it's 10 years in. Five years, that seems like 10 years. Okay, so now... Yeah. Well, just, I mean, you know, that was, what, 2000... Uh, End of 2017. 2017, a, a couple of years before the dreaded C word, which yeah. added another five years on. Okay, yeah, to all of our lives. I'm 33 now, I think... I'm counting myself as 31. I'm not 33, I'm 32. I'm counting myself as 30. Yeah. This is my 30th. Yeah, okay. Because I don't think those two years counted. Okay, that's a different, interesting. That's a different so discussion. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm 31 then. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. it's all downhill <laughs> after 30. Fine, fine. Yeah. You, but we, we did skate over the, um, the kind of, the history and the formation of it in that episode. Now when you, people ask you about this, what's your kind of potted summary? At dinner parties, still, people must say exactly how it all it's still the same summary, but it's just, you know, obviously it's changed quite a lot. And I think we started, you know, very much as a magazine, carried on going. And, you know, at that time we were expanding the magazine side of it and we were going into events. Mm-hmm. I think we had just had that summer, if I'm quite right, rightly, of just doing a lot of really cool events. And Possibly. we were we were having we had a pop-up shop and we were ex- yeah, yeah yeah we were expanding into start. retail so now i feel like we're just going back to that point okay <laughs> right so now i feel we're going back to point but in a really exciting way because now i feel like i'm very optimistic we're sitting here in january 2023 and now i feel like we're going back to probably where we had our five-year anniversary right issue and in terms of the same story it's still the same story you know it still started off as a as a men's magazine trying to cater for you know, fashion that people could wear and topics that people could relate to. Yeah. Were there other names in the mix other than Gentleman's Journal? Yeah, but I, you know, they're just awful. Okay. So I, I'd rather not say. I mean, there was things like Top Hat and stuff Top like Hat. That. Yeah, that was one of them. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I like Gentleman's Journal. I think we're lucky that we did it because it sounds like it's been around. Yeah. For well, ages. one of the first men's magazines ever was a thing called Gentleman's Journal. It's called the Gentleman's Magazine. I actually tried to buy that name, but I couldn't. Right. Um, because yeah, it was a long time ago. And okay. um, I you know, I tried to track it down. And someone actually said to me the other day, like, do you not think Gentleman's Journal is narrowing it just down to men? Mm. Which I found really hard to answer because I wanted to say, Shut up, you idiot, it's a men's magazine. Yeah. But then you couldn't you can't say that. And so you've just said it on the podcast. Yeah, I just said it on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really weird question. I suddenly paused myself yeah. and I was like, This is a men's magazine. Of course it has a, maybe you just call it G Journal or something. Who knows? I think when I first encountered Gentleman's Journal, probably 2015, I started seeing it around. I thought it was a genius name because A, it sounds established, but B, it, it does exactly what it says and you there's no kind of abstract, oblique name. Yeah. If you're someone who's interested in watches or something, you know what you're going to get. And if you're mm. a watch advertiser, you also kind of have a heritage name right there. It's a bit strange now because obviously like the brand is now not just a magazine. Yeah. And yeah, having journal isn't and it? having journal, you know, the big focus at the moment is obviously the, the like e-commerce and podcast is nothing to do with journal. No. I don't know. Would you say it's still narrative, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we have a big media, you know, the media side of the business, the studio side, which is we call a different name, but I hope it's now well established yeah. that we don't have to worry about it. I think so. Might be wrong. One of the biggest things of the last 10 years, the biggest trends definitely is the change in the way kind of people think about men and masculinity. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost a cliche to talk about how the meaning of masculinity has changed so much. But when that person spoke to you and said, does the name limit it? I suppose they're tapping into a similar thing. Do you think 
the way we approach men has changed a lot since you started the way we approach menswear and yeah that's I, putting a lot on your doorstep that is that is got really <laughs> straight in there in the podcast no i do a hundred percent but i think you know there's the fashion side of things is becoming gender fluid as they say and that doesn't have to mean that men have to it's, it's a sign that's saying that you could get a really nice workwear jacket yeah that both men and women can wear and now it's quite cool for in the luxury watch space for women to wear men's watches or well, they're not called men's watches anymore yeah. you know it's just, just by the case it's, size. It's, it, it means women can wear really a big rolex that would normally be you know 10 years ago called the men's rolex yeah and now it's not and i think that's a kind of a cool thing and there were brands probably remain nameless that you know used to do some very toxic masculinity adverts back yeah. in the old days that wasn't right in any side but i just think everyone's just not really caring anymore and blurring those lines mm. which i think in a weird cool way is creating a lot of quite creativity and people are ripping up the rules yeah. i mean like people like harry styles still looks cool whatever he puts on that's just pretty, he's a very good looking guy but yeah um but yeah and it has the the, the type of things in a way the gentleman's journal talks about things changed a lot in 10 years even in five years maybe yes and no I mean, sometimes we get slated for things that we write and so you, you can't write that. I think we're quite good at not being cancelled too much. Right. <laughs> You've probably tried to push back on me. I, you know, I've probably said you can't write that. And, you, you know, I think <laughs> you have to be slightly more. But also, you've got to also sometimes say, I don't really care, you know, because otherwise right. if, you, if you lose your whole opinion on something, then it doesn't become interesting anymore. Definitely. Definitely. You would say this, though. Uh, I would say this, but having said that, it's easy to say that until you see a few comments. And if you see, you know, I'm not really out there on Twitter wanting to get feedback on articles and things, but they do pop up and surface sometimes. And you kind of want to defend yourself and think you've missed the point there, especially on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, people just kind of throwing random things around without reading the article. I yeah. think it's probably easy to be opinionated. You're talking about being offended by something yesterday, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I am. So now it's like, yeah, lots it's of comments. It's got a lot of comments, comments, that post. But anyway. But it's good. I mean, they haven't part. read the article, and you're right. They've, just, they've seen a snapshot yeah. of it. But that's social media. You see a snapshot of it, make a decision, which is wrong. But that's the day and age we live. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think I've there's only been two emails I got when someone said they were really offended by something. Yeah. And both of those were much more impactful than... Yeah than people giving me comments on social media because I thought, oh, Yeah, because they've taken the time to sit down and read Take it. Take time to write it and often yeah. the tone is kind of almost head It was when you were glamorising drugs, I think, in one of your articles. Is that, <laughs> is that right? Well, I think that article wasn't glamorising drugs, but yeah. it was more an accurate reflection of perhaps the way people do talk about drugs. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're not going to talk about drugs <laughs> in this podcast. Um, when I was putting this all together, I decided I'd do what all good editors do and, you know... Edit. Well, no, delegate to other yeah. people who actually have the talent. Yeah. So I've asked various people around the office for some questions. Oh, God, and I'm just really? going to drop these in intermittently. Okay. Um, because they're a hell of a lot These are all going to be mine. directed at me or just life in general? They're, no, they're all directed at you. Oh, I asked okay. ask people what, what, God. You know, what they want. Okay. Um, so Josh Lee, okay. <laughs> brilliant features writer, yeah. says, is there a white whale cover star, i.e. who is the one person that Harry would really love to see featured on a GJ cover that hasn't yet? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we haven't done a royal cover yet. So Wow. There Here we, we go. go. Maybe the British year. royal family or any? No, I think like British. Solomon Islands. British, nothing, wrong with the, nothing wrong with anyone else's no. royal family. But I think British royal family, I think we've done some other royals. We haven't, I'm saying specifically we haven't done no. the British royal family. 
It's a hell of a time. It's a hell of a time. It's a hell of a time. (laughs) There's a couple you wouldn't want on there. Who would you want on there? Who's the number one? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I think you have most of them on there. Okay, most. I think they're all quite interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I I agree. Yeah, all very interesting. No, Um, I just think, look, I think we're quite British in art. We're born in London. It's a men's magazine. Yeah. It would be great to have one of the top male royals. Absolutely. On the cover. And we haven't really tried, to be honest. No. Who's so. the most commercial of the royals, do you think? Who's got oh, the most? God, I think who are the advertisers most likely to be next to? None of them, no, none of them commercial. They don't do commercial things. No, true. But, the you know, the, the brands would love to be seen next to I mean, X. obviously, the, I think William, probably. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Future King. Yeah. There we go. Maybe we just go for the top man there. Yeah. All Charlie right. Three. Um, okay. So let's go back to the kind of the journey of Gentleman's Journal then. When you were setting this up, it, it, it was not uh, a great time to be setting any business up, especially not probably something in publishing no what do people tell you when you say don't, don't do it right. stop i mean everyone said that everyone i spoke to i don't think yeah everyone i spoke to who was already in publishing yeah and quite you know they were quite some of them are quite senior people yeah. that had knowledge of the business environment and where yeah. it was at but because i was 23 i didn't really listen um mm. and i think there was a time when yeah everyone was like yeah advertising some free for circulations and free for and you're always i think now i think what they teach in business studies always start a business in a growing space mm. and we decided to start one in a negative space okay yeah so who did you go for for kind of mentorship uh, i mean lots i mean literally loads and loads of people from editors to to people running rival titles and stuff like that and they all said the same thing and i think interestingly now you know, there's still some that are probably struggling, but there's also lots that are doing really well now. You yeah. know, and there's there's old school media entities at the moment that are having great times. Spectator, mm-hmm. Economist. There's yeah. new guys on the block. You know, I just saw Hypebeast financial results, right, which are pretty amazing. Yeah, and you know, it's brand new and it's been around for a bit older than us. When you look back on that time ten years ago. People told you it was difficult then, and, and your experience has probably sometimes borne that out. I wouldn't. It probably has I wouldn't, been difficult. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You wouldn't do it? No, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Someone asked me this the other day. I wouldn't do it again because <laughs> I've loved every single part of it. Right. But, you know, it's not, you know, I think just in terms of our generation and the years that we've had. Yeah. You know, if you think we launched it probably just coming out of the 2008 mm-hmm. recession, it was kind of optimistic then. Yeah. And there was this... There was about three years which were okay. Three years that were like, oh, the world's getting back to normal. And then COVID happened. And if give or take... 2016, you got Brexit and and Trump. Brexit and Trump. And that's probably still coming through now. Yeah. I mean, I think the the actions of that is obviously now. And it's the same thing with COVID. We're not going to know until two years down the line Mm. how this has actually affected, one, us as human beings, to the economy. Well, we know about the economy, but like actually how much it's going to change our mental. Mm. I don't know about you, but I found it quite hard socialising after COVID. Like yeah. in, in big groups, you know, I would never normally struggle with that. And I was suddenly like, you know, now I just maybe have become a bit more insular. Um, uh, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe well, it. Well, no, but you know what I in mean? In some it's, ways. It's, yeah. In some ways. And then, yeah, I think, um, what was the question again? The question was, would you do it all again? No, you, no, no. I mean, but I, you know, question is, if we didn't have that year, I still think I could have gone and put my skills set to something right. growing. And yeah. probably I picked a, I picked a ridiculous thing. But, you know, then again, I'm really passionate about it. So, right. So I love the media space. And I, I, you know, I do get up every morning and go, I like when we do a big cover. I like yeah. when we do a big story. I like when the print magazine comes in. Yeah. Um, I like when 
someone does something new in the business. Right. I, I, you know, because there's not many jobs that you can sit there and get that reward of creating something. No. Rather like mowing a lawn, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know that? Well, the, yeah. the pleasure of mowing a lawn. The pleasure of mowing yeah. a lawn. You I know, know when you look back and you're like, wow, you know, I've, I've mowed that and it was yeah. really scruffy and now it's done. With magazines, you sort of get to have that, that feeling yeah a lot okay like mowing the lawn no i, I mean like that's that. a very bad analogy no i quite like it but mowing the lawn is kind of meditative and calm yeah and my experience making magazines is frenetic frantic and last only minute. because you leave it last minute yeah i'm an artist so that's 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 your that's your fault you employed yeah. an artist Harry. yeah so i i wonder though what else you would have done you say i wouldn't do it again one of the things you've always said to me is that you probably couldn't work for anyone else. Do you think that's true? I probably couldn't, but I should have. I mean, like, I couldn't. I mean, I, you know, it's really hard when you go and, you know, when you work for someone, you have to sort of, to an extent, have to toe their line and understand right. it. And I think I was, yeah, I was always told by my housemaster at school that I wasn't very good at taking... Um, but neither was Boris Johnson. Direction. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not a great comparison, mate. <laughs> um, thank you. But anyone you could have picked, Boris Johnson, probably not not, not, not my top of my list. No, fine. Um, but, you know, saying that, there are days that I want to go, oh, my God, maybe I should go and apply for a job. Yeah. I have actually been headhunted twice. Have you? Yeah. Can you tell us by who? Uh, Over the last 10 years? Yeah. I think one was working at Evening Standard. That was to go and do some commercial stuff there. Nice. It was really tempting at the time. I was like, this would be great. Yeah. And then I suddenly thought, oh, the reality of it probably wouldn't. Probably not. And the Evening Standard, of course. It's now not doing Yeah, it's not, not doing well not doing because well. of exactly COVID. So yeah. I want to talk about the good bits in a bit. I don't want to hammer on about the difficult bits, but what have been the toughest parts? And was there ever like a single moment when you were very close to walking away, taking an offer, selling the business, canning it all? Yeah, I mean, COVID was... We had done some restructuring before COVID, and which, which, in hindsight, we couldn't have known about it then, but in hindsight, probably saved the business. What does restructuring mean? Well, we were just getting... Like, we'd probably grown a bit too fast before mm -hmm. COVID, and there was a time when I was looking around going, what is everyone doing? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think, yeah, and then we had this moment where I was like, hold on, we just need to focus on what we're good at. And I did all that in the summer of 2019. And, you know, if we had what we were doing then and with COVID, it would have been much, much harder. Yeah. But, and we were just getting to see the results of that coming into COVID. Then COVID happened and there was this week of just... In March, mid-March that year. Yeah, April. it was mid-March. There was this just week of shit. Yeah. And before the furlough was announced and everything else. Um, and then there was a week gap between COVID lockdown. I think, yeah. there, I can't remember now, but there was, I think there was a week gap between COVID lockdown and furlough being introduced. Yeah. And then, you know, during that week, uh, all of your clients are ringing you up, cancelling everything that you've agreed already for the year. Right. So, so you're watching money, which you've kind of yeah. already tossed up in your yeah. head in the bank, just disappear Go. day by day. Go. And I actually turned off my phone for 24 hours. Really? Because I thought that would help the situation. It turns <laughs> out when I turned on my what, phone. If, if they couldn't call you to, to well, tell you I just, they cancelled you know, it, it, was getting, was still there. it was getting too much. So I was just yeah. like, right, I'm going to turn the phone <laughs> off. And I so I turned the phone off. And then obviously I turned the phone on and there was lots of messages and emails. That okay. So it was kind of weird then the furlough came in and i went right we put the advertising team on furlough because mm -hmm. there was no point in you know they wouldn't have been able to work they wouldn't no. have been able to do their job and then actually we didn't put the editorial team on furlough weirdly we kept going and mm. it was kind of this moment where we're like okay can we do this but there was that first bit where it was just like everything you work for 
is now yeah. for four, five days. And it's quite demoralizing when you're sitting there going, everything you worked for is now completely gone and it's not your fault. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like when it's your fault, you can blame yourself. When it's not your fault, it's incredibly um, frustrating. Kind of, no, it's kind of difficult to grasp because you're just, you know, you're angry, but you can't be angry at a virus. You can't hit a virus. No. So it just seemed unfair. It just seemed unfair. The only good part of that, again, was, you know, there was loads of people in the same situation. Yeah. And, you know, where we were lucky is we were suddenly digital and we were like, whoa, this is now, you know, Instagram was now having a massive uptick. And yeah. the brands that we were consulting for, they couldn't go and do print they mm -hmm. couldn't go and do out of home because no one was in railway stations yeah and suddenly they were like oh and th let's do this so and then weirdly we made the website during that time i thought it was you know the best it possibly could do because everyone was just focusing on that one yeah. the one thing and then you know there became this personal thing that and it you know it's obviously a very sad time and you know i shouldn't take away from that but there was also for a lot of people there was this thing about getting your own time back definitely and, and stopping and relaxing but yeah i mean there was you know that was the closest Before, but when you say the closest was there the closest it's very interesting, the to, closest. Very interesting to hear that from my point of view yeah because you memory, were going you were you were not knowing any of that i didn't know any of that my memory of it was you were being quite upbeat and buoyant and being like listen it's difficult but we're going to get through and well you sort of have to do that well yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's, it's very interesting to hear you, you never told me that yeah um was when we say close was it like were you preparing to gather us all on a Zoom yeah. call and say, yeah, yeah. guys, the dream's over? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it wasn't that, I mean, it didn't get to that. But it must have crossed your mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. But, you know, 100%, yeah. And, I, you know, we hadn't had that. I think the early days, the early days, you know, there was it was just so scrappy and so startup. But by the time COVID came around, we were really just, um, yeah. we had grown every year by like 30%. Yeah. And actually we looked at our whole thing, we were just growing like really big chunks. And then suddenly it was just like, right. And only last year we went up to what we were in 2019, which is apparently good these days. Okay. So I don't God, know. I don't know yeah. what that says about everything. So then what, was there a moment early on or at some point when you looked at something we'd done and thought, okay, we're no longer in that scrappy stage. We're now established or we should be really proud of this. Was there one kind of cover or deal or something that you felt this is a big breakthrough moment? No, I definitely think there was a, a growing up of the magazine. I don't yeah. we moved into this new office in, where was it, like Latimer Road. Yeah. And there was some people who came in, like, um, you know, there's a load of people who came in. And the editor at the time was Rodden's Fitherbank. And mm. he brought in a, a, a load of people who actually knew about magazines. Crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, 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 crazy. And that was the whole thing because it had gone from being very, very scrappy. And suddenly it was like, okay, we're going to grow up now. Yeah. And we're going to become a proper magazine. And mm. I think because, you know, we had been designing this ourselves, but we didn't know all this design language. We didn't yeah. know about this editorial language. And then it grew up after that. And then, you know, since that, it's grown. You've obviously made a massive right. uh, contribution. I was going to say a contribution in some direction. I was going to say that I didn't, before you gave me this job, I didn't know anything about that yeah, either. Yeah, but you... So that you, was the, one yeah. of the stupidest things on paper you ever did. Yeah, I did. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, because I used to like your writing. That was fine. Yeah, well, but that's you were, fine. You're probably still quite inexperienced at that I time. absolutely was. And I remember thinking... I remember coming in on the first day and Barnes, who was a designer, and Joe Singler Park, who still is, asking me questions, just the most rudimentary And he didn't know how to answer And them. I didn't know. And I was meant to be guiding this entire magazine. Yeah. And I just thought, well, I you've remember done, going You've home, done a great job of blagging it. 
A hundred percent. And that is my only advice for anyone. Yeah. Is that fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And, and so you, you, you at the time, the you didn't know the answer to these questions. I didn't know the answer to the questions. The question was something about, he spoke about a river. He spoke about a river in the copy. Okay. Um, and I don't, I, do you know what that means now? Of course I do. Okay. A river in the copy is when, you know, there's, it's too uh, spacey between the words. So it looks almost like a little river is running through yeah. a leg of copy. Well, I've learned something new today. So that's... It's not something that a member of the public would necessarily care about, okay. but designers absolutely hate it. And they were talking about this river, and I was thinking, trying to read the copy, thinking, has someone mentioned a river in this thing about a watch? Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on? I didn't say anything. I went home yeah. and obviously Googled that. But I remember going back and thinking, I might have to go in tomorrow and tell Harry, somehow Dude, we've got cross yeah. wires here. Maybe someone else should do it. Thankfully, I didn't and stuck it out another day. Good. Um, Thankfully for me, you did. Yeah, well, that, well I'm very <laughs> glad to have done it. Gentleman's Journal... One of the reasons I think you probably have continued it for so long is because from the outside, at least, it affords us all quite a nice lifestyle. It's mm. probably a lot easier to make money in insurance, but insurance doesn't mean you get to do exciting things and meet really interesting people. What has been your most kind of pinch me moment? This comes from Johnny. When you've kind of been in a surreal situation, you've been thinking, how has little old Harry Jarman found himself here? You and Johnny are probably being pinched myself moments more than me. Right. I mean, because you guys are the ones shooting the talent and yeah. doing all the really, you know, all the magazine stuff. And, you know, we've had, like, insane, well-known names on the cover. And for me, like, the pinch me moment is something that's now become, like, an annual thing, which, mm-hmm. is, our, which is our summer's lunch. Yeah. And we do a really, really big summer's lunch with a lot of the talent that we work with every year. And we have this big, long table at Blenheim Palace. And each year we get bigger and bigger. We're now up to like 150. Mm. I think next year we're going to try and do 190, how long we can make this table. <laughs> but it's just this great moment because I have to go and do this seating plasma, yeah. which is actually really, really hard for 150 people. And it gets harder when they all blow away as well, as they did last year. They did do they that last blowing year. off the table. Yeah, they, did blow, they couldn't do anything else. But, you know, it's just when we're about, to, I've sort of like said hi to everyone. I'm sort of playing host as well. And it's just when we're about to sit down and you're looking at this amazing table in front of Ben and Palace. And then you're like, you know, I've sort of done that. You know, like yeah. we, we've, this, uh, this event that we've sort of created out of thin air and everyone's having an amazing time yeah. in the English sunshine, which is so rare and hope it carries on. You know, that's a real pinch me moment. And again, again, I would say the other two things that we do every year mm. with one of our brand partners called Chopin as well. We do the Media Media. This has been going, oh God, hold on, you, you probably know this. It's been going since the early 1900s and it had a little brief period of break for the war. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's a thousand miles around Italy and Italy, as everyone knows, is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. But seeing it by car, in mm. a classic car, and driving quite often 14 hours a day, driving through this, you know, if you drive nice cars in England, everyone thinks you're a wanker. Yeah. In Italy, they're very proud of their cars and you get told by people to go faster and, <laughs> and you get clapped when you go through villages. And that, you know, I'm like, God, this is work. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a really amazing experience. And it's, I would thoroughly encourage anyone who has the opportunity to go and watch it or do it. It's, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and the event side as well, you know, we, we get to go and, you know, do some really cool things and also just creating good stories as well. Of course. You know? But you've probably had a lot of pinch me moments. I think so. You get to interview. You know, yes. Who's been your, what's been, Adam, can I throw the question back at you? Please. Go. No one ever does. What's, what's your, what's your pinch me moment? Um, probably interviewing you in 2017. <laughs> um, no, 
Um, I think the moments I've been most nervous for, I think when I walked in to interview Samuel L. Jackson, which was my second guy. I would expect him to be quite a warm guy. He was very warm, but the problem with a lot of these things, not the problem, I'm going to rephrase that, the way a lot of these things are structured is that the publicists and agents around them build up an aura that the person simply doesn't have because they're just a normal person. So in the weeks and days beforehand, even the hours beforehand, they're bombarding you with all these requests and stuff. So you're starting to kind of build this image in your mind of it being this hostile, slightly tense situation. And then you walk in the door and they kind of, if they're pity, nice and pity. kind, and if there's someone like him who's, you know, been around the block and is satisfied yeah. in himself, then they put you completely at ease and actually you're away. But I do remember the night before that, lying kind of awake at night and completely overthinking my interview questions. In California. Sadly, in California. LA, actually, Someone, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to go to. I mean, it was this apartment in Koreatown that absolutely stank of curry for some reason. Um, <laughs> I think they left some curry in the fridge or something. And I just remember that kind of permeating me as I lay there kind of in bed thinking, well, I don't know how I'm going to handle this tomorrow morning, but yeah. over like 7am. So that was when I was definitely one of the things I'm overawed by. But as with all of those things, it's a bit like public speaking. The second you're in the flow of it, yeah, it's actually okay, it's fun. And you can then, after a little while, Relax. And they've answered the first question. You can relax and I always find the bigger it. the star, the nicer they are. You know, like yeah, I think the, the bigger the guy, the star, is because they're so like they've done it so many times, yeah. and they know that you're nervous. They're kind yeah. of nice. It's the ones that are like up and coming who yes. I always find have hundred percent have agents that aren't that nice. Yeah, and um, also have yeah have to be competitive or have something to prove. Yeah, exactly. Need to name drop and things. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a very in interesting industry to be Human psyche. To. The human psyche. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's Good. a great answer. Good. I, I, on that Thanks note, though, for that. A, a lot of people probably think that the, um, the man who founded, the editor-in-chief of Gentleman's Journal, they probably think of you as this gallivanting, buccaneering man about town. No. Who's... Cones are kind of, I don't know, a motorbike and wears tweed and things like that, maybe. Or maybe I don't think wear you're tweed, an international no, playboy, I don't wear a jet setter in the mould of Gianni no. Agnelli and no. Sachs. I would love to be. I don't I don't quite have enough money to, okay. be, to, to do that. No, I mean, no, I would love to love to see that. I'm, as you know me, I'm normally, I'm up early and working away. Obviously, I, you know, of course I go to a few parties here and there, but I'm I'm not. Despite what people might think, because I probably only put up the nice pictures on Instagram. Well, there, exactly. But isn't that what Instagram's for? We've shattered for? the illusion. Yeah. Which is probably a great shame I work shame quite hard. I do work quite hard. I'm up early in the morning. I think I'm, I, you know, you know I'm up early. Yeah. I'm normally sending you yeah. emails at... Yeah, always welcome at 6.04 you, you, you don't reply back to them then. No, of course not. There's a delay function, you know. You can put them so they arrive at 9.00. I've heard about this, and I, the reason <laughs> I've heard send, the reason it? I've heard about this is you should also do that if you are going to have a late oh. night out. You can then send send yeah. an email to go at say eight o'clock, saying yeah. I'm not going to be there for the for the meeting. Yeah, and that means you can have a longer line. That's a very good tip. Nothing you wouldn't know anything about that kind of stuff. <laughs> no. On that note, I mean, it's often people in this industry are actually quite insular who work in these creative sides of things. And I remember hearing Graydon Carter, as you know, is one of my, of course, heroes. Him saying that the your Vanity other Fair- job, Your other job. Yeah, my other job. The Vanity Fair Oscars party yeah. was he had to take beta blockers for it and was incredibly nervous, even though he was the host and people were nervous kind of Coming to, to be to greeted by him. And I've sensed with you, you don't like public speaking. Maybe you are quite interested as well. It's quite an interesting dynamic, I, isn't it? Someone I think um, I used to be less into that, but 
I think also you get older. And I think the other thing is when I was younger, like when the magazine first started, I was kind of fine going to like parties. And mm. now I just don't like them as much. Right. I, I think also you just get older and you want to hang out with the people you want to hang out with. And But when it comes to our big events, you always... You sometimes have to public speak, and, and before every yeah, single time, I normally ask you. You say the line to me, "Have you got your speech ready?" Yeah, and I go, "Ha ha 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 ha!" And a few times, I do on the fly have to do, do a and speech. you do a great job. But also, I'm, I feel like I'm getting slightly better at that, and I guess the only way you can get better at that is doing more yeah. of it. But yeah, I hate it, and I think I hate it because I now I realise why I hate it. I had a bad experience of it. My legs started shaking, and you could feel your leg shaking. It probably, and this is the other thing about public speaking, I didn't realise it was, it probably wasn't shaking that much, but in, but your, in your head, head yeah, yeah. you suddenly think it is shaking that much. And I've actually done two best men speeches for two of my close friends who got married this year. And I've, you know, I did do beta blockers. God, did you? I did do beta oh, wow. blockers. Apparently you've got to be quite careful with them because it can go wrong. You yeah. can have like a Wolf of Wall Street moment where you can't speak. Right, um, okay. And apparently you shouldn't really be drinking alcohol, which is quite hard at a wedding. Okay. Um, but, you know, I did. And the first one I did, I was so nervous. Right. And I wasn't nervous in terms of shaking, but I was nervous. But actually, I realised that the nerves help you. And I feel like, give it five years, and I might be quite good at it. Yeah. I'm sure you're very good now. But I'm just, I just hate doing it. What are the other bits of the job which you don't like doing? Uh, I'm not a great manager, as you know. <laughs> God, it's like, I feel like I'm at therapy. Well, I feel good. like I'm at a therapist. I'm not a very good manager. I <laughs> I find it um, as... But again, I'd say you've got... I mean, from when I've I started... I've got better. I've got better. You are five times as good. And and listen, I'm I'm not really a manager anymore, but I'm a terrible manager, so I don't have a... No, I feel like I'm definitely a better. And I've, 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 I, you know, I think I said this at the five-year podcast, I shiver in looking back at myself because... I was probably quite hot-headed. I wanted everything to be done yesterday. And now I just realised that it's not going to be done that quickly. So chill out. Try and enjoy it. Try and enjoy it and and go that way. But I, you know, and I feel like, I don't know, I was speaking to someone who's way more successful, uh, Mm. entrepreneur the other day, who's like incredible. And I said, you know, do you think you're a good manager? And he goes, again, something that you'll learn constantly on the day. And there's all these... Yeah, there's all these funny books you can read or whatever. I don't think that's it. You know, there are sometimes people that are just unreasonable and they come across occasionally. But most of the time, it's something you've just got to weigh up and do it. But I think I've got better. I still think I'm far off what I should be. And I find, you know, my big thing is about giving people time. And I think with COVID and everything and everything else going on then, I was trying to put out so many fires. Quite often, I didn't give people the enough time who are working really hard doing the same thing as you and trying to make sure that everything goes. And, you know, the big part of it is just chilling. Yeah. Relaxing. What other things you are quite good at? Someone on the advertising side, one of our the brands that still advertise with us, told me that <laughs> you're very, very good in a pitch scenario. Yeah. And I've sat with you on the odd occasion I'm allowed at the big boys' table to yeah. sit at a breakfast or stuff. And it is a good, what you think natural... I'm good? skill it doesn't feel like you're selling but you have a very clever way of positioning how you feel about the brand how you feel like you can help the brand and also all the fun stuff gentlemen's journals doing and there's a sense of a bit of fomo there i don't want to give away your secrets but that's the kind of but i think to be honest i think um someone once told me a good salesman should never sell 
But I think that just becomes generally, I know this sounds corny, but from being passionate about what you're saying. Yeah. You know, like and knowing I, a lot about the brands. I started naturally. this. I know everything about it, and I know quite a lot about the brands now. Like I can tell you the history of most of the watch brands we work with, most of the car brands we work mm. with, most of the shoe brands, most of the fashion brands, and most of the brands in there are all brands that I'm super, super passionate about. And you're wanting to, you know, do cool stuff with. Yeah. I tell you where I do find it really hard is sometimes it comes to a brand that I really, really love, and because they might be quite straight-laced in their marketing. Yeah. Sometimes they just take adverts and don't do anything creative. I find that, I know, shouldn't it's really nice. You know, they're still, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're still advertising with us to get their brand communicated. But I find that, um, I feel like we could do like way more stuff together. I'm like, why don't we go and do this? Why don't we go and do that? And um, that's quite frustrating. But generally, like, you know, the brands that we're having breakfast with, the brands that we're working with, I, I pretty much love them all. And what about when it's not got to the breakfast scenario yet and you're certainly in the early days, you're kind of more cold calling or trying to set up relationships that you didn't have before. And you were 23, 24, 25. People might have admired the youth, but also... Yeah, well, I was lucky because I was losing my hair quite young. Really? And I was always, <laughs> I, I, the people thought I was a lot older than I actually were. Did they, was that actually a genuine thing? They, yeah, I once had a, I remain nameless, but I once had a, a French MD turn around and be like, I think I was 27 at the time. Right. And the French MD turned around and he was like, so, uh, you know, how are your kids? And, you know, like, and he, I go, how do you think I am? And he said 40. Oh, which, wow. Which really... Um, was which he really embarrassed? Uh, no, he was embarrassed. And then he goes, uh, I would never have given you the money that I've given you wow. if I knew how old you were. And I suddenly thought maybe going bald isn't so bad after all. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of a wonderful story way to think about it. Yeah. Did you yeah. have any kind of tricks back in the early days? Any kind of... No, I mean, the difference is back in the early days, we were cold calling because no one knew what we were. Yeah. And we were like new and, and we were going in there and saying, hey, why don't you go for us rather than these guys? And now, yes, we have an advertising team that are still going after new opportunities. But a lot of the clients that we've been working with have worked, as you know, have worked with us mm. for, you know, some are going on like eight years now. And every year we have to sit down and go, okay, what went wrong last year? Well, and some, sometimes it does go wrong. And sometimes it's like, oh, I feel like that could have been better. Yeah. But most of the time it's going, okay, what, what new have you guys got going on? And now they're asking us, what can we get involved in? And what can we do better? And, you know, the job of Gentleman's Journal is to carry on growing everything that we're doing. Mm. You know, every year you've got to go, right, what are we going to bring out new? And what can we get brands to come involved in? So, yeah, the early days, it was much harder. These days, it's kind of nice in a weird sort of way. I would yeah. ne- I would pinch myself back if, if I, you know, go back eight years ago to be in the situation that we are in now, mm. where we've got lots of brands wanting to work with us. And actually, sometimes it can be too many brands for one sector to come up with original ideas. And that's when it's like, you yeah, know, and that's nice where you've got to really focus and really look after brands and make sure you don't get complacent. Absolutely. On that note of pinching yourself 10 years ago, Johnny's got a nice way of phrasing this quite common question. Okay. Um, this is Johnny Wells, deputy editor. And in fact, longest serving gentleman's journal team He member. is. He is. Just Which, before, and then you're probably after. I'm probably after him. Yeah. yeah. I need to knock him Johnny. off somehow. Yeah. Um, if you had to send your 23-year-old self a 30-second voice note advising him on the next 10 years of his company and his life, what mm. would you tell him? Chill. You start it. Chill. Chill out, relax. No, I would say chill 
and you know don't, it's not going to happen overnight you know like just chill out and relax and if i was 23 go raise a bit more money because okay. you're going to need it um and uh, do that before you need it um yeah. so i'm going to do that at 23 and then just chill and enjoy it a bit more okay something tells me that 23 year old harry wasn't chill would have, would have dismissed that advice yes because 23 year old harry would have gone shut up i need to get on with this now right and don't worry about raising money because next year we're going to make loads and okay. we won't need it. <laughs> Which to all the entrepreneurs out there is never the case. Yeah. What advice do you have for people who are starting businesses now? And if people are looking to start businesses, good luck to them in media right now, publishing, something like that. I think, no, I think like media right now, I'm not doom and gloom about it. You know, everyone's like print, printing's dying and then the new media companies, everyone's like, oh, they're struggling to monetize. I'm completely the opposite about this. So basically... Facebook and Instagram and Google and everything mm. else is now becoming, it's not, we're not giving the returns that everyone once had. Yeah. And when we launched Instagram, it was still a free platform and we could scale it really quickly. Launching Instagram now, forget it. I mean, like, you know, you've got to have hundreds of thousand pounds or millions of pounds to even have a chance. But what's really cool about that is brands are now going, hold on, this isn't working for us. So let's go and try something else. And we have a lot of small clients that are coming up to us and mm. saying, oh, Instagram's not working. So we're now going to, we're, we'd love to see what you guys can do, whether that be uh, working on an article with you yeah. or working on a newsletter, newsletter, email newsletter. newsletter. That sounds 1990s, yeah. actually very efficient. Um, yeah, so right does. now there's, there's a massive amount of media companies that are doing well. And actually, I think, I feel like we're about to go through quite a big growth period. I mean, okay. I'm very optimistic about that. So your advice to someone who wants to do it is there's opportunities there. You yeah. Could do it. They have to have that right skill set. And I think if they wanted to go on the editorial side, the idea that you go and write one article a week, mm. um, which you're probably in the romantic world. I think people in the New York could still do that for a full time. Yeah, job, New York, they probably do. Yeah. But now it's like, actually, if you really want to go into a really fast dynamic environment, but now you've got to have a skill set of writing, social media. You need to understand about clients mm. and that, that they do, you know, pay for the content that's created. But, you know, that's a really exciting environment if yeah. you want it to do it. You know, there's a, there's a huge new business in, like, you just mentioned Graydon Carter, Airmail, mm -hmm. which is subscription only. Our subscribers are growing. You know, we're putting in loads more effort into that because, you know, that's, it's, it's more reliable than, say, advertising revenue. Definitely. So that's a big growing part. You know, again, you know, there's loads of media titles that are doing really, really well. There is also loads that are doing really, really badly. But you could say that about retail. Yeah. You could say that about a bad restaurant versus a good restaurant. Definitely. But anyone, I would, I would definitely recommend it way more now than I would have five years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. encouraging. Yeah. From, from where I'm sitting as well. Go. So much so that, we, you know, we're like really positive about it and we're about to go and launch a new title, which yeah. I can't talk about now. Exactly. But, but I'll leave it for that. The funny clip. thing is, I actually believe you because sometimes you hear people pick up their industries when yeah. they're on the record and you sort of think, yeah, but you're yeah. not. But I think you're probably absolutely right. Yeah. And but I think I, I'm, people I, are good. Yeah. Subscribers want to, they're happy with subscribing now where five years ago, people didn't want to do that. People, are, and you know what, it's the end of the day is, I, I, I was with someone at the weekend actually, who I said, can you pick up the FT weekend? Mm. And they came back and went, £4.50. Mm. I mean, that is a rip off. <laughs> and I went, well, why is that a rip off? I, I mean, mean like, the amount of I mean, work look at, in that. Look yeah. at, you're, you're going to spend two hours on your Sunday 
going through all of this information, you get a lovely magazine there. You get free parts of it on home, life and art. You can talk about, pretend you know about stocks and shares. <laughs> and you suddenly get all of that for £4.50. Yeah. That's like slightly more than having a coffee. Mm. And yet you get to have all that. People just need to think about it in a different way. And I think people are now going away from this free medium. And actually the, the brands that are doing bad are the ones that came in and they're like, you don't need to pay for journalism. Yeah, They're the brands that are really suffering at the moment. They're not in a great place as a brand. They're finding it hard to get advertising. They're finding it hard to monetize it. So it's great. Pay for good stuff. Good. Pay for good stuff is the, the thought. Do you, who are your kind of heroes then? Who do you look to, whether historic or right now, and you think, if I could be like them in the next 10 years, I'd be very happy? What, media? Media, but no. In fact, let's just open it out to, to anyone. Uh, no, there's loads of people who I think are obviously... I like dreamers, and okay. you know, I think people... I like people who think things can't be done. So, you know, in the old, old days, it was Walt Disney, then it was probably people like Steve Jobs, and then it was people... But they're the people I'm like, you know, that they had complete faith in what they were doing, which weirdly, as, as you get older, you start to lose that... Um, faith really well you just start well, hope- as a kid is it like when i was younger you didn't really see any problems for starting a business in a failing industry right. and then you get older and you become more dare i say realistic um and that's a bad thing okay that's a bad thing reality is a bad thing no <laughs> no no i mean it's just like it's great to have that sort of night you know be naive occasionally okay and what do you think you'll be doing in 10 years time what do you think it looks like i love the industry that i'm in i think i would you know we're going to launch a couple of brands this year the journals journals going in its own way it's like like mature now and that's now developing into a mm. i wouldn't say a, a media entity i'd say it's turning into a, a platform and you know that's going to go into e-commerce and retail and that's going to have its own journey but mm. yeah i mean everything i love the 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 cross-section of media retail mm. luxury and I feel like you can do all of those things now with a brand and you don't have to stick to your lane on the motorway. You can nice. branch out and go, well, why not? It's like when we launched, I mean, we did a, you know, a little fun thing in lockdown because I think Majestic Wine in the UK had shut down because everyone was wanting to get pissed at home. Yeah. And we were like, well, let's set up General's Journal Wine. And we sold loads of rosé out through the summer. But what, you know, why was a men's magazine going into wine? But it worked. Okay, very interesting. Now, this the, I've got a couple more questions before we go. go. It's Friday afternoon. Everyone wants to go to the pub. Although dry January, are you doing dry January? I'm doing dry. February. I'm doing. I'm doing dry-ish January. Okay, fine. I'm doing like calming down. Okay, but I don't think dry. You know, to be that strict, it's, it's tough, isn't it's it? It's tough. You know. Um, but these questions I want to ask you from this is Joe Bullmore. Yeah. So from, from my point of view, as the editor of General Journal, who's worked under you, and it's nice actually to have the, the microphones between us as a kind of. As a, you might moderate your answers. Yeah. When you opened um, issues of the Gentleman's Journal and probably specifically ones I've worked on, which articles have you thought, I'm f- not happy with that? Uh, I'm going to ask you the opposite side as well. Well, you know I get annoyed about some of the photography <clears throat> yeah. in, the, in the front because sometimes I think the portfolio photography is too arty. Mm, too this is more directed at <laughs> Joe Sinclair Parker, the other Joe who creates the magazine. But I f- sometimes think it's too ar- arty. There was one story I remember you put the copy on my desk and I think there was just a big cross through the opener. It was something we did, which admittedly we shouldn't have been doing, that was like about the next generation of spads in Westminster. 
Yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a nothing story. It, well, it was just a spectator story, kind of, which we just tried to I think it was so, in. like, insular and so, like, you know... If you were, Westminster if Village. you were working for an MP, you might have got the story, but no one else did, yeah. and you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that was okay. I and you know the stories that I like. I still like the ones that you know. And this issue, you've just done, you've done twenty years since Jenny Agnelli's death, and yeah. that was interesting. You know, I like the tongue-in-cheek society part. I like it when it's funny writing and mm. you're taking the piss out of yourself. Yeah, quite um, right. I What's like the it. most gentleman's journal story that gentleman's journal's ever done? God, I don't know. I don't. I mean, that's just like. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. Before we go, Gentleman's Journal Instagram, for anyone who follows it, yeah. um, a lot of the time we put good quotes up Yeah, that seem to get a lot of traction people really quite like from across yeah. the spectrum of, of people and years. Do you have a kind of guiding quote, quote or a favourite quote? No, I have a weird one. It's kind of, it was the guy called Ted Turner who founded CNN. Okay. Uh, and it was like, it was the first, obviously before our time, but they were the first 24 hour news network. Yeah. And everyone said it couldn't be done. And they had to completely all the time be live. And he had a quote saying, lead, follow, get out the way. And I'm a bit more reserved now, but in, it goes back to lots of entrepreneurs. I think, you know, if you think about it, Jeff Bezos says, don't have a meeting with people you can't share a pizza with, but yeah. the numbers. And it's basically like some of our clients that are a bit more corporate than us, you get dragged into these meetings and there's 20 people around a table and I feel like people are just saying stuff because they feel like they should be saying yeah, stuff. Yeah, need to justify and being in the room. What that saying says is like, this is the company goal. Either agree with it or disagree with it, but don't try and prohibit, you know, that's, that's the goal and that's where people are going. Then let's go with that. Mm -hmm. Quite often, if you don't agree with that goal, then you, you shouldn't be out of that business. And, you know, sometimes that goal can be completely wrong. I'm not saying it's always right. But, you know, it's just basically get on board and let's go. And, yeah. and I think and it's... See and it's also about speed as well, you know, like... And it just says a lot. I mean, it can be interpreted in a, in a nasty way. It can be interpreted in a... But it shouldn't be, in my no. view. Okay. There we go. That's a great one. What would you think you'd be doing if you, 10 years ago, never decided to set up Gentleman's Journal? I, don't, I would be working in creative space somehow. Media, yeah. maybe, I don't know, advising. I would, yeah, I like, yeah, I just like creating stuff. So I think it would be, the, I would, dare I say, like, I'm a, I, a film producer. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I okay. mean, I, I want to go into that space, but I don't know. Watch the space. <laughs> Fine, okay. I don't know. I, I think, I don't, and I know nothing about it, but I find it kind of interesting. I feel like being a film producer would play to a lot of my strength. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Right. Raising money. Raising money. Talking nonsense. <laughs> Talking but nonsense. creating something actually quite yeah. good at the end. And it could work and it might not work. Okay. That's uh, yeah. a lovely note to end on. Well, here's yeah. to 10 years of Top Hat. Thank you. Tom Tennis of Gentleman's no. Journal. Yeah, it's very, very nice to speak to you, Harry. Cool. In a professional Thank scenario. Thank you very much. Signing Great. off for another five years. Signing off. See you guys see, in see you 2015. And Do you think we'll still be in the same office? In 2015? We might be in the same office. No, we'll probably be. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Where will we be? I mean, that's be a good question. 2028. Who will be president? Who uh, will be president? Yeah. Maybe we'll do an article on that and you'll yeah, come up to there me we and go. say, right, get rid of that. See you in 2000 and... 28. 28. Maths is oh. our strong point. Bye. Um, what can we go to from there? I don't usually do this in other <laughs> um, Okay, so 
while, while I was putting this kind I'm of... going to keep that bit in where he's just <laughs> having a thought to himself. Um... Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.